Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for your 1500 ESPN Twin City Sports Update. I'm James Murphy. Game one in a pivotal series between the Twins and the Indians was tied after Fernando Rodney got out of trouble in the ninth inning. But it was Mitch Garber who provided the fireworks in the bottom of the inning. Oh, Drive to left center field. Chased yes. by Brantley. Chased by Brantley. He won't get there. Mitch Garber. How about oh. that? Way to drive the ball, Mitch. I told you he was clutch. He's been coming through in the late inning all season. Jake likes getting his call clomped on, but Garver with the walk-off double. Twins take the opener 5-4, and the Twins pull to eight games back of the Cleveland Indians in the Central Division. They'll look to close that gap even further tonight in what should be a pitcher's duel as the red-hot Kyle Gibson, he's taking on Trevor Bauer. With a final look at this morning's traffic, here's Kenny Olson. Sponsored by Dell, five extra minutes for you. Westbound 36 between Rice and Arec taking the left lane at Hamlin. Westbound 694, W over to 125. And westbound 94 slowing just past Arec on the right side at Creighton. 20 minutes from there over to 394. Dell Small Business Technology Advisors know there's nothing small about your business. They provide one-on-one partnerships and reliable Dell PCs with Intel Core processors. Call 877-BY-DELL. Mackie and Judd. Good morning, fellas. Kenny? You there? Are you there? Are they turning you up? So much going on. They've got to turn it up. We got we got too much. We got digs. James, we there got, we go. We got Dozier being trapped. If 1500 ESPN had a... If, if our show had a fire sale and Kenny was included... And Dave was included. Who, who could we get the most value for? Probably Kenny, right? Uh, you we could get a bunch of good prospects for Kenny. No, we no, could? No, it's no. not me right now. No, 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 you're out. <laughs> Outright release no. for James Murphy. See you later. Bye, for buddy. Rent to Kenny? Get a couple good young you traffic prospects? Bag of used balls. <laughs> well, excuse me? You heard me. Old ones, Kenny? I, Very let's, old. Let's just ding, move on with ding. this train wreck of a start to a show. Steps into it, passes, caught, digs, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable, Vikings win it! Yes! Go! Go! Diggs! Game over! Game over! Vikings win! Yes! Yes! Oh my god, get
Is that the, was that the Zolgan household? Uh, no, that was not. After that the, was not the Zolgan a- household. After Judd brought home the new Glarus from Hudson. Oh, that might have been. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I oh thought you were talking about the the uh, Viking Saints. No, game. No. no. Oh yeah, no. I I got home. 48 beers. Yes. <laughs> yes. New Glarus. Just wait till tomorrow to drive back to Hudson. Don't drive now. Finally. Uh, it's it, it broke before the show. If you're driving into work or if you are just turning on the radio for the first time. Five-year contract extension that kicks in for 2019 and beyond. So it's really six years of Stefan Diggs. The Vikings are going to pay him, and this is just according to preliminary reports. It looks like about $14 million a year, which puts him in the top 10 of NFL wide receivers until he's 30 years old. So Stefan Diggs, we don't know what the guarantees are unless you've seen a report in the last 20 minutes that I haven't. I have not. Uh, So it'll come down to how much are, are the guarantees. But $14 million a year, if the figure is right. Puts him not quite in the Antonio Brown bracket. He's making $17 million, but it's top 10 money, and the Vikings have locked in one of their best skill position players. This is a great contract. If, if you are the uh, Vikings, you are very, very pleased right now because uh, Brown, Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, who signed about a month ago, I believe, with the Rams, an extension there, Sammy Watkins and Jarvis Landry all average more. Diggs now is going to fall into approximately towards the, the as you just said, the bottom of the top 10, which is uh, Adams of Green Bay. Devontae makes an average of $14.5 million a year. Allen Robinson, who signed, who left Jacksonville for Chicago, is at 14 a year. So this is, if you're the Vikings, this is a very favorable co- contract. It's very fair. But it's also, I I thought that Diggs might have been waiting for Beckham to sign, j- just to see, because that's going to take the market up another notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this just continues a trend, and you have to give this team credit. This continues a trend that this club started a long time ago of locking up guys. In fact, I saw a note uh, today, a tweet. The Vikings now have, have 10 of their top players under contract, uh, Phil, through at least 2020. Cousins, Dalvin Cook... Thielen, Reef, Elfline, Kendricks, Griffin, Hunter, Smith, Rhodes, and, and I'm sorry, Diggs as well. That's 11 guys. And most of those guys are either entering their prime or in the middle of their prime, and, and that's where I agree with you. I think this is a great move by the Vikings. Too many teams overthink these situations. You see it all the time where teams ruin the relationship with one of their best players. Don't overthink it. If one of your best players is in their prime, in their mid-20s, coming off their rookie contract, you pay them. You yeah. pay them. It's not you Aaron know, Donald right now. Exactly. Rams you know, like, pay him. Pay, now, if a guy's twenty nine or thirty and he wants a, a big big time contract, it's his third contract in the NFL. Okay, I get it. Now you're up against the age curve. But like, how many times do you see Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers hold out because they can't come to an agreement or franchise tag, franchise tag, Kirk Cousins in Washington, uh, Odell Beckham and the Giants, Aaron Donald, like you said, and the and the and the Los Angeles Rams. It's not that hard, and the Vikings have this figured out. When's the last time the Vikings had a major contract dispute or a franchise tag guy even? Greenway. They and that franchised was like, Greenway about five years ago or so, and that was about it. And that wasn't and, even really contentious, right? Because no, he still no. loves the organization. Since the Wilfs bought this team in 2005, this team has been incredibly proactive in, in, taking, in taking its good young core coming out of its first contract and signing them. Yes. And... and You'd be hard pressed to go through that list and find one guy who got mad. And no, they they do. The cap is managed by them very very well. But the Vikings do a fantastic job of targeting their guys, signing them, and and it's remarkable 
for a franchise that seemingly for how long seemed to have how much crap surrounding mm. it and contract problems and guys getting arrested and things. It goes back back to the discussion that we had on the Monday show. The stability of this franchise now is really off the charts. Mm-hmm. All, yeah, and, we, and actually, we have come up with our NFL franchise stability rankings, which we're going to do later on in the show. We're going to do top five and bottom five. Yep. And don't answer this now, but I'm wondering if either one of us put the Vikings in our top five for franchise stability. We'll we'll do that All in a right. couple hours. Okay. Uh, I I think. To your point about this being a really good team-friendly deal because he's not being paid among the top five. If the $14 million per year figure is, is accurate, he's he's like 8th, ninth, or 10th among NFL wide receivers. And and I think that makes sense. You're paying him essentially for the 13 or 14 games that he's shown he'll play on a, in any given year. He's not a 16-game guy right now. So you're buying, you're essentially buying low on what I think might be one of the five best wide receivers in the NFL. If you just watch him play and you watch what he's capable of, and if he were, let's say, a one-man show at wide receiver like some franchises have, they don't have an Adam Thielen over here. They don't have a Kyle Rudolph over there. It's just one guy like DeAndre Hopkins for a long time in Houston or Antonio Brown for the last five or six years in in Pittsburgh. The difference with those guys is they're targeted 50-plus times more per year, and they play all 16 games. Right. So I think... Stefan Diggs has the skill and the talent and the potential and the football IQ to be one of the five best receivers in the NFL. But because he hasn't played 16 games and because he's not targeted the same amount of times as these other guys, you sort of got a discount on a guy who might explode here in the next five or six years. Yes, it's a good deal. And now the only question becomes this. Do you realize that Adam Thielen is entering year two of a four-year $19.2 million contract that's due to pay him $3.9 million this year? I think it's 4.8 this year. Oh, I've, I found 3.9. Whatever. But, but it's, the it's, point it's is, the, 15, point, the yeah. point is, it's a great contract. It, yeah. And and the and I do think if you are the Vikings and uh, once this year gets done, assuming that he continues at the rate he's going, mm-hmm. you probably do have to go back to him and say, you know what, that contract was really good for us for a couple of years. But in fairness, we're going to tear it up and give you a new contract. Yeah. Too. Yeah. He makes Adam Adam Thielen. I mean, the guy makes you know he's making millions of dollars. So I'm I'm guessing he's not irate this morning, but. So he makes less money. Oh, it's base is three point nine. Okay, that's so what whatever. Is. So it's four point eight is the cap hit or whatever it is. Yep. Um, so he makes less money yep. than Rashard Matthews, Ryan Grant, Marquise Goodwin, rookie contract Corey Davis, Mohamed Sanu, who's a fossil right now, Robert Woods, Muhammad and Sanu's Albert. Still playing? Exactly, and making more money than Adam <laughs> no, Thielen. He's still playing. And Albert Wilson. So. Yeah, I think it's probably time at some point. And, you know, the Vikings aren't the type of franchise that's... If, if Adam Thielen comes knocking, my guess is they're going to rework his contract to try and keep him around, too. Now, the downside here, and I would still do these contracts, but the downside is it is a cap league. There's going to have to be some cap casualties down the road. So my guess is if you're an Anthony Barr right now and you've seen Daniil Hunter and Rhodes and you've seen this contract extension with Diggs and the Kirk Cousins, right. it's possible Anthony Barr might be the odd man out here. He might not get the big-time top-of-the-market extension. A guy like Kyle Rudolph, who's scheduled to make $7.5 million this year. He's going to have to rework his contract probably, after yeah. 2018. Or he might just be gone I would again. I would say this, though, and we, we t- talked about this for about a month or so. If you had come to me and said, Barr or Diggs, which one? I'm saying Diggs. I mean, Barr can do a lot, and I like him. But if I was to have to choose what one of those two, in part also because this defense without Barr is still going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had come to me and said we can do we can do one of two, but we can't do both, 
I would have said Diggs. I would have too. So I have zero problem with the fact that Diggs gets the contract and Barr is either going to get franchised, eventually get a contract, or be allowed to walk. Plenty more on this. We're going to get Matthew Collar in here, 1500ESPN.com. He's been covering Vikings training camp, Purple Podcast host. He'll join us the rest of the hour, starting in about five or ten minutes from now. We have a pecking order at 10 o'clock. Jason Stark will join at 1130, but uh, that's, uh, the Vikings aren't the only team wheeling and dealing with ding, ding. contracts and moves. But already one to nothing in the bottom of the first. Bases loaded against Lance Lynn. Moran awaits. He slams one out to right. Colin Moran, a grand slam. Welcome to Pittsburgh. Lance Lynn. Memories. Da, 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 yeah. Da, da. I, okay, I can't believe the Twins got anything for Lance Lynn. They wind up getting Tyler Austin, who was actually the Yankees' starting first baseman for the first like six weeks of the year because Greg Bird was out. Yeah. And a 19-year-old promising pitcher. I mean, getting anything with a pulse and five senses for for Lance Lynn seems like a steal to me there was there there was an insinuation last night that his start in Boston on Friday which went well influenced the Yankees and like, I'm, so I'm he serious. pitched well against their division rivals yes, so that they saw therefore. that they saw that and thought thought that this is a guy that we can get put into the back end of our rotation for the rest of the season and then bring out of the bullpen in the playoffs and this is what the always jovial and affable Lance Lynn had to say following the news of the trade never been through this before so Trying to get everything situated, really trying to let it all sink in and all that, um, you know. But I, uh, I really enjoy my time here. I wish I could have done better. Uh, got off to a big start and all that. And, uh, really wishy. His really nose wish, was really growing. Could have, could His nose better. was growing progressively. Jeez. I really enjoyed it here. This brings up only one question. This morning now, who is the unhappiest man in the state? Because Lance Lynn being gone opens up that. There could be a new. There, there's got to be a new, very unhappy person. I guess I've never seen a guy more miserable to be making like twelve million dollars or whatever it is. What was his salary? Twelve million dollars. Yeah, one year, one year $12, twelve million dollar contract. Yeah, it sounds like the Twins are going to eat some of that too in order to get you know, a cu- couple extra. So they, maybe they wouldn't have gotten Tyler Austin and and now they're not. Okay, let's go. Let's review what they've done so far here because you know they're not getting top of the line Royce Lewis level prospects, but. They got a, they're out of the race, let's be honest. I mean, they're unless you're Brian Dozier, if you're a logical fan or observer, they're out of the race. Yep. So here's what they've traded, and here's what they've gotten in return, and here's what's still available. So they've given up two months of Eduardo Escobar, who can re-sign here if he wants in November. And the people I'm talking to have said Minnesota is his number one option. So you might wind up getting him back in two months anyway. So yep. But you, you lose two months of Eduardo Escobar, two months of Lance Lynn, which might be... That's addition. addition by subtraction. Uh, two months of Zach Duke and a year and a half of Ryan Presley. In return so far, I think my math is right. You've got nine young players back, including at least five, according to prospect experts, that fit into your top 25. And a guy in Tyler Austin who might even compete for your starting first baseman job next year. Yeah, eight, eight young guys and Austin, who's 26, yes. have come back. So this is, but this is exactly, I don't, this is what I don't get. I don't get people that are upset. This is exactly what you should do. And by the way, and and we, we probably discussed this too, the one good thing about this roster is there was an enormous parachute on this thing from day one. Like there were more guys that if things went, if you didn't have a good year, which they have not, that you could pull the ripcord on. And they've done it. Yeah, they've done exactly what you should do. But I mean, so you're telling me, like, if you don't like these trades, are, are you looking at Zach Duke and thinking to yourself, well, two more months of Zach Duke would be fun? 
Are you looking at Lance Lynn and thinking, well, he was just starting right. to come? I mean, there there's no upside to keeping these guys. The, the only the only one you could argue for is a year and a half of Ryan Presley, who just broke out. He's 13 strikeouts per nine innings. I, I looked at that one and said, ooh, that's a. I mean, you got some good young players in return, but he's going to really help bullpens in the next couple of years, and it could be the Twins bullpen. But he doesn't matter to you this year anymore. And none of these guys who have expiring contracts, like you just said, they don't matter anymore. So, so it's like, of, of, of course you're going to trade these guys for, for young players that could help you in the future. So if you take the uh, the Duke trade, if you take the Lynn trade, and if you take the Escobar trade, and I think that that is, is seven players coming back, and let's say three of them develop, you know what? That's a good return. Mm-hmm. Because the question keeps coming back, well, how many of these guys are yeah. slugs? How many? The, no, that, that's not the point. The point is you're getting... It, it's a lottery. They're exactly. lottery tickets. And you're getting guys back, and if you develop two to three, you're happy. Like, if I said to you, hey, uh, I know you're not going to use any of these things anymore in your home. It's a garage sale. Like, you're literally getting... like there's You have no use for these things two months from now or in the next two months. And you can trade these things that you're not going to use anymore for nine lottery tickets. No, maybe all nine are busts. But you know what? One of them might wind up making you a millionaire. Yeah, and then I'm happy. Like, of course you're going to make that trade. Then I'm happy about it. So I'm I'm with you. I keep seeing this reaction. Like, what are the the twins doing? They're trading all their... It's like, this is is what smart front... Not even smart front office. This is what any logical, breathing general manager with a pulse would do in this situation. So, And the guy's still available. I think Fernando Rodney's gone today. I think they've been trying to trade Brian Dozier for two years, and we'll see if they can finally pull the yeah, trigger today. I wonder today. if Do- Dozier w- walks down from the uh, Twins clubhouse to Cleveland. There's not a lot left there. Because Boston the, just traded for Ian Kinsler. Ian Kinsler, yeah. The Brewers the, already... I mean, The Star Tribune reported l- last week that the Giants might be in on Dozier, but they wouldn't be. They're out of it. They're in not, fact, the they're, Giants... They're not... I mean, it depends. The Giants like are five supposedly games trying out. to trade, though. Yeah. So... But the point being is it would be very simple to tell Cleveland, you know what, take him for two months, that's fine, give us back two guys. Yeah. So uh, we'll do we'll do some hot stove updates, trade deadline hot stove updates throughout the show. Uh, Kyle Gibson, Jake Odorizzi, those guys are, teams are calling on those guys. Logan Morris, I don't know if you can get anything to Logan Morrison, but you got something for Lance Lynn, so maybe you can get something for Lomo. Everything must go, Phil Mackey. Matthew Collar will join us when we come back. By the way, the guaranteed money on this Stefan Diggs deal, according to Adam Schefter, is $40 million. But you're again you're paying That's a guy below, yeah. from age 24, 25, 26. So these are these are prime years. Collar joins us next. We'll talk more Vikings. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please continue. On 1500 ESPN. Matthew Collar's here. He's talking football now. Another contract extension. How about that, Rob Brzezinski, huh? Well, let's give the details again for for people just joining. You'll get Collar's thoughts on this. Stefan Diggs, entering his fourth year in the NFL, just agreed to a five-year contract extension that kicks in next year. So it's it, they have him signed now for six years, including 2018, at $14 million per year, which puts him average annual value among the top 10 highest paid wide receivers. Not quite in that Antonio Brown $17 million a year range. And it's going to be about $40 million in guarantees. Uh, we've seen you posting and tweeting about that. I think we all agree. This is just another good front office move by the Vikings. A lot of a lot of franchises overthink these situations where you got a guy who's really, really good, if not one of your top five players, and he's entering his prime, and we're going to drag our feet, and we're going to... And we're going to make that player mad and maybe franchise take that player. Or you could just pay him and 
create a harmonious locker room and give the guy what he deserves, which is what the Vikings traditionally do. And give Kirk Cousins, your $84 million quarterback, one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL. Yes. And, uh, you know, the first tweet responding to Adam Schefter about the money here, which is $40 million guaranteed, that's what matters the most. And that is good for Diggs. He did not take a team-friendly deal with this. He took the market value just a little bit below Jarvis Landry, mm-hmm. I personally would rather have Diggs a little below Cooks, but you could look at their numbers and maybe they're a little higher in certain areas. Well, their fa- um, their fantasy numbers are higher. Exactly. But I think we should get into that. And if you were the Vikings, you're probably like, well, you know, they've got higher fantasy numbers, but they're not saying that. They're saying, well, you don't have a 1,000-yard season or whatever else. And, of course, Diggs' side is pointing out a bunch of other numbers, and they came to a, an agreement that I would say is right on par with what I thought it would be. I thought it would be close to Landry, but not maybe exactly where he was with $40 million guaranteed. And the thing with this, though, is we focus on the guarantee a lot. But with him, he's 24 years old. There's a really good chance he plays all five years and earns all the money that he's supposed to earn or gets to a point to restructure, which will get him more money. So he'll be in really, really good shape. But if you are Kirk Cousins this morning waking up, you feel great. Because the quarterback rating of Sam Bradford, Sean Hill, and Case Keenum when throwing to Stephon Diggs over the last two years is 110.7. And you average 8.5 yards per attempt. Stephon Diggs turned Sam Bradford and Case Keenum into Tom Brady. And and you're happy in the morning because you have super white teeth. If you're Kirk Cousins. Well, yeah. That and the fact that you get to throw to Stephon Diggs make your day just amazing now. It's really hard to have a bad day if you're cousins. And you look look at your checking oh, that's account. Not, no, no, it. that's not true because you, you wake <laughs> up and the first thing you say is, good morning, Kirk. No one believes in you today. <laughs> Just remember that, Kirk. You're no one the believes. world today. So, Keller, what do you think it says to, and th- this is the most oppressive thing to me, and I'm going to use uh, Royce's favorite word, about the culture of the Vikings, that they do seemingly, and I think it's because they've now become known for doing fair contracts, they do they do seemingly while everybody else or a slew of teams always has problems, right? Donald's not signed with the Rams. They did the Gurley deal, but they didn't do that one. And you always have every uh year around this time some teams that inevitably have problems signing guys. The Vikings have stayed away from that for ages now. And and it's not that they give out ridiculous contracts. But it seems like, for the most part, they give up very fair contracts and have become known for that. And because of that, you don't see this this whole culture of, oh, here they are trying to screw me again. I think that that is one of the major reasons that nobody held out, including Adam Thielen, that maybe there is a thought that he will eventually be taken care of here because his contract is highway robbery. And if I were him and if I were his agent, I would be saying, Adam, there is no way you are going to training camp. Or as soon as Stefan Diggs signs his deal, we are holding out and we are going to rework your contract so you are paid just like Stefan Diggs. But that's probably not going to happen. They'll probably wait until next year to start having that conversation. And if you're Adam Thielen, you can trust that the Vikings will work with you on this the same way they worked with Griffin and Linval Joseph Mm -hmm. before their contracts even came up. I think that's one of the major reasons they've been able to build such a great team here is just that they don't have any of this nonsense. They don't have any of the distractions of player contracts because when they come up, the guy gets paid and he stays here and they have their cap genius make sure that he works it out so they get to stay. And the reality of the salary cap is it's so 
manipulatable yeah. that they just take advantage of that. If if a team is arguing that the cap is the reason they're not keeping someone, that is a lie for the most part. It's mostly because they don't want to keep that player in reality because maybe they don't think he's worth the money that they're going to pay him, or the ownership doesn't want to pay out that type of money and they want to stay below the cap or below the amount of actual cash that is leaving their pockets. The Wilfs clearly have no problem paying out that amount of cash out of their pockets and they want to make sure that they have the best players that they could possibly have and keep them around and they've done that. So what are your thoughts on how... And even if they re-sign Adam Thielen to a a more Thielen-friendly contract where he's making... $12, $14 million a year. How does it impact the rest of the roster? I mean, there are guys like Kyle Rudolph making $7.5 million, 7.6. Like, that's not going to fly going forward. Also worth noting, a 53-man roster in the NFL, whether it's the Patriots or the Vikings, generally pretty top-heavy in terms of salary. There's going to be like 10 guys who make... Six, seven, eight million dollars up to maybe $20, $30 million, depending on what your quarterback gets paid. And then the other... 60% 60% of the roster is $1 million, $2 million, or minimum wage, quote-unquote, 500000 600000 Is it just a matter of, well, there might be two or three guys. There might be, whether it may be Anthony Barr is a casualty, but there might be, oh, sorry, Kyle Rudolph, we're going to have to get a minimum wage, like $600,000 tight end because we want Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs long-term. So I think where the casualty is is the players that you don't have that were free agents. So when, let's say, Justin Pugh comes out in the free agent market and he would be a great choice for your right guard, you just can't really do it because you've spent all this money in other places. It is, um, it, it does exist, the salary cap. I mean, you can manipulate it to keep all these guys, but if you look at the roster, like you said, what you have is all these guys who are getting paid and then the guys on rookie deals and then just everybody else. And that's why with this team, they have superstar talent across the board, position by position, yeah. pro bowlers all over the place, but behind them is all unproven guys. It's all draft picks. There's the the J. Ron Curses and Anthony Harris's who get paid almost nothing as the backups. And that's really your only concern about this defense, and I guess the offense for that matter too, is when you look at the wide receiving core, for example, you have your two elite wide receivers, but you didn't go out and sign a good free agent. Kendall Wright, I'm not even sure if he's going to make the roster. He had a decent year with the Bears last year, but he's exclusively played with the second team. I don't consider him to be a good free agent. Like they chased out Elshon Jeffrey last year, but they knew they could do it at that point. They couldn't really do it now. And they got outbid mm-hmm. for Trey Burton, who are they were interested in the tight end now for the Bears. Right. The point just being they can't outbid anyone in the free agent market. The other thing they can't do, so last year the Eagles signed Corey Graham late in training camp, I think, and he came in and he ended up playing a lot in the Super Bowl because they they used him a lot. He's just a veteran. He'd been with the Ravens. He'd been with the Bills. He was a guy that I thought the Vikings might look at, but they didn't, and they don't really do that. They don't really go out and fill out those backup positions with veterans who hang around in the market. That's where they play with fire a little bit. That's the sacrifice you make. That's tough, though. And if you were, but if you were the team, yeah. and you're deciding whether to keep all these superstars or be able to fill out your depth with good quality veteran backups or your number three wide receivers or even your right guard, I mean, you're probably going to take keeping the superstars first because they're the ones that drive your success. I th- think the most important thing here too, though, is is the strategy. If they went out and they tried to retain young guys and old guys, 
that would be a problem. But they they're very they're very specific. It's players in their first contracts, most of whom they've d- developed. Occasionally, they'll go out and try and sign a guy coming out of his first contract. But you know, the worst thing in this league to me is to reward a guy for, for what he's done. Is to say, you know, you're 30, but my God, you've been good for a long time, and we appreciate it. And here's a contract. The Vikings and Spielman and Brzezinski, to me, have a very specific plan, which is we're going to develop and cultivate talent and keep that that talent. And then the next contract after that is where occasionally or often they'll say, okay, goodbye now. But if they draft a guy and they like him, they've been outstanding at keeping that guy coming out of that first contract. That is true, and you're going to see now some tough decisions when it comes to Anthony Barr and Trey Wayans. Don't forget Trey Wayans this year is playing on his fifth-year option. That means that, or he picked up his fifth-year option for next year, I mean. So Mm -hmm. next year he'll play on his fifth-year option. That allows them to keep him around for now. After that, he probably has to go. And Anthony Barr is in that same situation. He is playing this year on his fifth-year option. It would be very tough to pay him what he thinks he's worth. If he wants to get paid $13, $14 million a year, which he very well might get on the free agent market if he has a great year this year because he's a multiple-time pro bowler, and if they send him after the passer more often and he picks up six or seven sacks and he can do all the other things that he can do when he's at his best, that's a player you're just not going to be able to keep. But it will. this will be the Vikings' understanding positional value. The value of a linebacker who occasionally rushes rushes the passer, but mostly is in coverage where he's just okay and run stopping where he's been very good at times. That's a position where you could replace and still be okay. Wide receiver, a guy that's in the top 20 in the league, that is not easy to replace. They just hit the absolute lottery with him and Adam Thielen and getting two top 20 wide receivers. But one thing we saw about Adam Thielen, though, is when Diggs wasn't in, Thielen often had a, a tougher time. The Ravens game is the one I'm thinking about. That's a really good Ravens defense, and Thielen had a tougher time because you can roll coverages in his direction. So having both of them was extremely vital here, and if you had to make that sacrifice, let's keep our wide receiver that not only makes our quarterback better, but also our other wide receiver better, versus a linebacker that I think we can replace. The choice is very easy. Let's come back and talk more about this, because there's I, I have seen a little bit of negative reaction to this from people wondering, okay, the guy's never had a 1,000-yard season. The guy's never caught 100 passes in a year. Now, all of a sudden, he's one of the top 10 highest-paid wide receivers. And like Collar said, maybe you have to say goodbye to Trey Waynes and Anthony Barr. Let's dig a little deeper when we come back. Collar from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. This is Shortly, guys, I thought we were in a hurry on 1500 ESPN. Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. These guys can waste more time doing nothing than anybody of all time. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Registration is underway for the 37th edition of the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon running from downtown Minneapolis to the state capitol grounds in St. Paul on Sunday, October 7th. Accomplish a bold feat while savoring the scenic beauty as two cities cheer you on. Run the most revered event in Minnesota running, the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon. Details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Thank you, James. We got Matthew Collar. Fo- noted football enthusiast with us here 
You can find uh, not only his Mike Zimmer feature on 1500ESPN.com, but Stefan Diggs' contract analysis and a Randy Moss feature that just dropped, too. So go check out 1500ESPN.com, Purple Podcast, for all kinds of great Viking stuff. All right, for I don't think it's a large contingent, but for people wondering, wait a second, like, Stefan Diggs, I love him, and that was an awesome play. Are they paying him top 10 wide receiver money because he made an awesome play at the end of the playoffs? He hasn't had a 1,000-yard season. He's only had one 900-yard season. He's never even caught 90 passes in a, in a year. Well, just busted out the old iPhone calculator here. Oh, okay. good. Yeah. So, Judd, uh, DeAndre Hopkins makes more money than Stefan Diggs, right? He makes like 14 and a half or something? Uh, 16 and a half average 16. and 81 over the, the life of a contract. Yep. So, like, people might say, especially if you play fantasy football, DeAndre Hopkins, man, that guy... You know, 100 catches, he's gone over 1,500 yards once, 1,400 yards last year, led the league in touchdowns. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, because there are ordinarily no other good wide receivers with the Texans, is targeted 150 to 190 times per season. Stefan Diggs wasn't even one of the 40 most targeted receivers in the league last year, in part because he missed a few games, also in part because the Vikings have Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph. So just in theory, if you were to take Stefan Diggs' last two years his catch percentage, and his yards per reception, and you were to target him 150 times, he would finish the year if he played 16 games, well, or if, whatever, if he was targeted 150 times. With 108 catches, 1,400 yards, and 13 touchdowns, those would be your fantasy stats. That's what it's really about for him is the efficiency when they throw it in his direction, and he would have much better statistics by catches and yards, if Adam Thielen didn't exist. But Adam Thielen does exist, and that's really great for winning football games, is to have two guys that are that good. And they really are, by any metric, they are a 1-1A. They were rated right next to each other in the top 10 by Pro Football Focus grading last year. If you look at the catch percentage when quarterbacks throw their way, it's almost identical. And really, in 2016 and then 2017, they swapped roles. So Adam Thielen was initially an outside wide receiver in 2016, and he had fewer catches. And then they switched roles, and Pat Shermer moved Adam Thielen inside 50% of the time. Thielen had more catches, but Diggs averaged more yards per catch and had somewhere in the 60s for receptions. I mean, it's really not that complicated what happened here for the last two years that the guy who was playing in the slot had more quick throws and more catches, but the guy playing outside who has the tougher assignment really to get open on the outside, he's usually going deeper more, that involves uh, deep comeback routes and dig routes and things like that, and both of them can do it and are extremely efficient at it. And that's why John D. Filippo here has to be just doing... John D. Backflip. So wow. I knew that. I knew. Wow. I, knew <laughs> I knew there was some garbage wow. coming. There I knew. Was. I didn't know what it was. Oh my god! You show yourself <laughs> but, out. But right when now. he, you, when you go out there and watch them in training camp, you watch those two guys, and then you watch Kendall Wright has played in the NFL, and he's just not close. He is not anywhere near in the stratosphere of these two guys, and. I don't know how they got him. I mean, it's just it is just a miracle Dicks. of luck to have a fifth rounder and wide receivers fall. I mean, it really is amazing. But it's not. But like Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs is one of the top for me, one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL. But I'm just saying, wise. They, like and he, and, he, and and teams passed on him for four and a half rounds. His, but the history of that position, if if you look at guys that, that go first round, especially late Patterson, because people just said athlete. 
And Diggs, they said injured. There's a, yeah, there's a formula to it. The early, like the very high drafted receivers often succeed. Yeah. Oh, if you're top 10, it's a different story. Ordinarily, the um, Julio Jones. Troy Williamson. Yeah. yeah. And then, but I mean, then. DeAndre Hopkins was a first round pick. Uh, Jarvis Landry was, I guess, a second round pick. But like, it, the, the, Antonio Brown fell. Uh, right. But I, I, I think to say that, well, wide receivers are just sort of random and they slip, like that's this, I think that's discrediting. The position a little bit. Oh, every every position works the exact same way. The higher you're drafted, the more success you have. Right. But to Judd's point, it, what you find for a trend, and I guess this would almost go for any position, but for wide receiver, it seems to be there's a lot of them. If you draft a guy late in the first round in the 20s, there's a high chance that that guy is going to bust because if he was really good, he would be drafted way up there. It's usually like Patterson or Treadwell. Yeah. Like, hey, this guy is a freak athletically, or this guy really could go up and get it, but, and then the but is usually what ends up. Diggs is incredibly smart, though. Yeah, he's incredible. Patterson and Treadwell are players, but they couldn't really run routes, and that stopped him. The the thing with Diggs is, Diggs got a bad rep because he got hurt, and I think he broke his leg, correct? So he breaks his leg, and teams say, well, he's hurt, he can't stay. But what you what you discount then is the fact that as far as, as executing his assignments and his routes, he is incredibly smart. And that's the thing. I, I think I think the college game makes receivers difficult to grade at times because the, these you know spread offenses, and they're wide open. And yep. so you see an athlete, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's a great athlete. And what you don't account for is your game is much more intricate and calls for, for much more. And so a guy like Diggs slips through the cracks, and, and a guy like Patterson, who you project as this unbelievable athlete, which, by the way, he is, can't run a route. Right, the and in per- Tennessee, he catches some balls. The, the personality of Adam Thielen's Fon Diggs has so much to do with their success, and you have to wonder how much they just drive each other. I mean, you guys on the Mackey and Judd show see it all the time, where you just push each other to the absolute maximum of your ability. It's really what happens and every segment, sixteen segments a yeah. day. Just, uh, yeah. and Dave's not, like, not here to shoot that down. But, so it's, it's like good. it's like the Rocky Ford training montage, really, for from nine to one. But but both here. of you climbing the mountain together, right. holding hands. Yes, uh, <laughs> supposed to be an exhibition. But when like when you think about their skill sets. They're not quite the same size, but they're not like massively different, and they both win the same way. They they're both fast. Adam Thielen is a four four five guy, so he is extremely fast. So when you compare Brandon Zilstra to him, please don't because he is a blazing fast receiver. But they're both about the same speed. The height and weight difference isn't that much. Adam Thielen's a little bigger. They both win with incredibly good and detailed route running. And it seems that they just keep pushing each other to the next level when it comes to the route running. And then it just so happens that they both have this incredible ability to track the ball Mm -hmm. and then to adjust to the ball and make plays. And you see it. I mean, that NFC Championship game is perfect for both of them. I mean, the Minneapolis Miracle, the first part of it is Diggs has to go up and make that catch. And then there was another play where Thielen got hurt, where he has to rise up with someone taking out his feet and he falls on his back and still maintains possession of the ball. They do things tracking the ball in the air on a weekly basis that we've just come to expect they're going to bring in the ball every time, that if you watch other games around the league, you only see the Antonio Browns and the Julio Joneses making these catches. Correct. So when you add up all of these things and how they push each other and play off of each other, you look at the fantasy stats and go, well, who cares? I mean, it's really about the efficiency and what they mean to winning in this offense. And we saw it last year. They took a career backup quarterback and made him a top 10 NFL quarterback by every measure last year. Case Keenum. 
Yeah, it's. I think something to keep in mind here, too, I'm going to go back to the DeAndre Hopkins comparison because he's the ultimate, like if you're drafting a fantasy football team, he's one of the three wide receivers you want because he's just going to, He's going to go bonkers with yards and if it's PPR. So catch percentage. And it's not like we're dealing with Tom Brady at quarterback here for one team and uh, Christian Ponder for the other. The Texans and the Vikings have both had young and or backup caliber quarterbacks. They've both had Case Keenum as a quarterback uh, at times over the past five or six years. So for every 10 times you throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, he'll catch five or five and a half of those passes. But they throw the ball to him so often that his numbers just get bloated. So five five to five and a half times out of ten, he'll catch the ball. Stefan Diggs, the last two years, seven to seven and a half times out of ten. Think about like that over the course of a full season. It's just a volume game. Some of these fantasy numbers are just a volume game. Doug Baldwin's another guy that comes to mind where, man, the, you know, the Seahawks gave him a big contract, but he never really had 800 yards here, 700 yards there, and all of a sudden... He starts to get more targets because they start to put more trust in him. And Doug Baldwin's another guy, sort of that Stefan Diggs category of he's not going to lead the league in fantasy stats, but in terms of trustworthiness and making your team better and more efficient, he's in that category. It kind of reminds me of if you have Kyrie Irving and LeBron James on the same team, each one of those players could score 40 points a night. Mm-hmm. But would it be the most efficient to have Kyrie Irving and LeBron James score 40 points a night each? Or would it be more efficient to have them only take the good shots? And that's exactly what they do. They they really don't have to, even though Diggs was number one in the NFL in contested catches by Pro Football Focus's metrics, uh, they don't have to force the ball to either one because they're creating so many challenges on both sides of the field. What we saw last year was if you played a single high safety to stop Delvin Cook early in the season or even Murray and McKinnon when they were running well, that means that you can only roll that safety one direction or the other over the top of Diggs or Thielen, mm-hmm. and they're going to go the opposite way and beat you most of the time mm-hmm. because neither guy can be guarded one-on-one. And then if you're playing like a cover three, that means you're in the zone coverages, which you can put Adam Thielen in the slot, and he can find spaces in the slot to make plays mm-hmm. because he's very smart. And that's what it all really comes back to with both guys, like you said. Oh, they it's, run, yeah, it's really about who they are as people, their extreme competitiveness, their intelligence, and their ability to just keep getting better. You bring up a very interesting point about what Keenum did so well here. And and it's Diggs and Thielen never give up on routes. Like, they'll keep going and keep going and keep going. Keenum did a great job of extending plays. How, how does Cousins translate to that as well? Because the one thing that I go back to with, with those two guys catching passes that at times you're like, how did he make that catch, is they were on extended plays where the play looked dead. When you put Cousins now into that equation instead of Keenum, does it look the same to you? When I put, sorry, say that again. When, when you put Cousins into the equation oh, that Case see, was yeah. in, because Case did a fantastic job of biding his yes, time as I well. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah. And they would keep their routes just extended, extended, extended. Does Cousins fit in, into that same mold to have the ability to find those guys after a play looks to be dead? Uh, that's not really his game. I don't think that would it, it would be similar to asking Sam Bradford to do it like that wasn't a thing that Sam Bradford did. He did not extend plays. He could throw on the run better. I, I think than cousins are just as good, mm-hmm. uh, but he didn't do it very often where things broke down and then he kept the play alive. But also Bradford never had an opportunity to do that because he was usually sacked or pressured right. um, because of TJ Clemmings. I don't think that cousins has that same ability, but if 
guys are going to help him with that. It's going to be them. I think Cousins is really good when he gets the right read and things go the way they're supposed to go, that he can make throws. I have been really impressed with his throwing ability. I didn't think I would be as much. I mean, I've watched him on tape, and I know he could throw the football. But when you watch him throw it every single time at training camp, and then Simeon's decent, but then the other guys like Kyle Sloter, there's a huge gap between Uh-oh. their technique and how the, the ball comes out of their hands. Sorry, Phil, I know that's Kyle Slaughter's Phil's guy from Mr. Mankato. Um, but there's just there's just this huge difference in how he throws the ball, and it's it's sort of close to Bradford in terms of his accuracy. But when he gets into the 11-on-11s, 11 there is some hesitation in his game sometimes if the read isn't there right away. That's what we're going to have to watch for as we go along. But he didn't hold back... Pierre Garçon, or he didn't hold back Deshaun Jackson yeah. as, as far as those guys putting up big numbers. So I would expect that we're still going to have great things from Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. It just might not be where the guy's rolling out and 11 seconds after the snap, he finally throws it and finds somebody. I don't think we'll see <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, Collar's hanging out with us. Can we get a review of the Vikings' new practice facility from what you guys have seen so far when we come back? We can. Let's do it. Uh, TCL Broadcast Studios and a pecking order coming up in like 15. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd. Matthew Collar, our friend who likes football, is hanging out with us from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. Uh, so, so you guys have been out there grinding training camp, following uh, all the practices so far. What have you seen? Like, how much of the new practice facility have you been able to, to see? Or what have you been able to glean from it so far? Uh, I've seen all of it because we took a tour of the entire inside earlier this offseason. And then now it's finished. When we took the tour, the stadium wasn't finished. So what you have is a stadium that is like a high-class high school stadium, and then you have two giant practice fields up top, and there's bleachers and things like that around them. And on the inside, it's just unbelievable. I mean, they have a cryogenic freezer tank that you could go in. They've got pools that guys can walk into rehab. They've got just these big medical rooms all sorts of stuff. Places See, that, I feel like Sid's going to stumble into one of these places and it's going to be a problem. Cryogenic might get yeah. all heck. <laughs> it might be a good option. Lives till 2, 275 that way. Uh, they, yeah, I mean, along the way. And there's a, what's really nice for the people who work there is that there's a great art all over the place. So there's really cool just Vikings history as you walk through it. So anybody who gets to take a tour, I don't know if they'll eventually have fan tours or anything like that. I have not been in the museum yet. Uh, and that's another thing that they added that I, I've seen people really like. So for fans, twenty bucks to take a tour of that, right? Yeah, or that's a little. That? That's a little on the high side, unfortunately. Don't you think twenty bucks? That's yeah, uh, yeah. twenty bucks little, to like to walk through bit. it for fifteen minutes, or yeah. yeah, to go check it out. I, I as yeah, a, it could be God ten plus to fifteen. America, man. As a museum goer. That's a little high. I believe the Packer Hall of Fame at Lambeau is fifteen dollars. I mean, so, I'm with Matthew on this. I mean, I, I love right. I love museums and art galleries and things yeah. like that. That's a little aggressive. Now, if it was a Vikings Hall of Fame or something, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've gone to some some great ones, some great museums. I mean, in um, New York City, what's the really famous one in New the York Smithsonian? City? Yeah, that's that's like thirty bucks or something. So it's like, <laughs> well, then, okay, yeah, well, then that's you, too expensive. And the Vikings is good. Really that close? But uh, it doesn't have Riley <laughs> Reef's uh, practice equipment. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but but the pictures I've seen of that, I have not been inside that. But the pictures I've seen are really cool. 
and all the stuff that's set up for fans is good. I think the Saturday night practice is going to be really something that's inside this stadium. That stadium is and nice. Where people are going to be happy with it is if you are one of the lucky high schools that gets to play there, mm-hmm. that's going to be great. And for the players, um, I mean, they can't have any complaints about how it looks anywhere. <laughs> it is the players. It, it be is a remarkable the most place. People on earth, yeah. And, and people who come in from the outside that are national and they visit different places have said pretty much across the board, this is the best facility in the NFL. I remember. So Adrian Peterson's rookie year was two thousand seven. I want to say after that year in 2008 or 2009 he he was given or won or somehow got his hands on a a recovery pool basically right like a whirlpool yeah. recovery deal. Yeah. The Vikings I believe at that time in Winter Park didn't have one. He gave it to them and they installed it. And I believe it they installed it where the press room had been. If you want any idea of how far this team has come, and Winter Park, when it opened approximately 82 or so, 80, was seen as being very nice. But I'll never forget the first year I covered that team in 2005, and there was shrubbery and crap growing up that back hill. <laughs> Ken Irvin, a defensive back, once broke up a pass and injured himself flying into the woods because he hit like a <laughs> sheared up a tree. Um, I think there's a there's mountain lions in there. There's one in Chaska this morning, according to reports. There, there might be. You fall into the woods. Free Ziggy. That place was had become a complete dump, though. Yeah. That locker room was as small as could possibly be. Uh, the backfields were a complete mess. In yeah. fact, yeah. Ziggy brought in uh, George Toma to manicure those backfields. Yeah. So when you go out to this place now, compared to everything you saw, to go from the Metrodome and Winter Park. To U.S. Bank Stadium and the TCO TCE yeah. Performance Center, you're just like this is the same team. I, f- I feel like the Vikings with new facility, awesome new stadium that's been on display now for a Super Bowl, and just the way the organization from ownership to front office down to coaching staff, everything feels very much aligned right now. This is a destination. So if you're worried about living in the cold or playing outside, I mean the football season's short enough. In January, you get to Bolt or February for your favorite warm weather destination. Um, I mean, this is, I feel like this is becoming a place where guys are comfortable signing, guys, free yeah. agents are comfortable signing. It's becoming one of the more stable organizations in the NFL. I think it's a major reason that they have had no trouble keeping Eric Hendricks, Daniel Hunter, and yeah. Stephon Diggs. The personalities in the locker room matter a lot to these guys, too. It is an incredibly close team. And that goes along with winning, I think. And it goes along with guys who are good, that usually guys that are good are going to, in a lot of cases, get along and be good teammates and create a good culture and all those things. There are the selfish players we know about, but but across the board, if you have a 13-3 and team that did it without Tom Brady as your quarterback, that takes some pretty special players across mm-hmm. the board. And a locker room that really came together last year, around the adversity that they went through with losing Sam Bradford and losing Delvin Cook. And I think we've also seen Mike Zimmer grow as well from 2016 when he made some mistakes. But the the culture is really only as good as the star players that you have. And when you go player to player to player and think about the type of people and leaders they are and how they represent themselves, it kind of starts with Harrison Smith. I mean, when you look at that guy, he's the quietest Hall of Fame player walking around 
the fields these days. I mean, mm-hmm. he is the best safety in the NFL, and you would just never know it. I also because love he's how, so quiet. As, he's you, old school, as yeah. you gain status like that, if you now all of a sudden you're Pro Bowl and you're, I mean, you're on this Hall of Fame track, you also start to alter your look during uh, unpadded practices. He's got like the black, <laughs> the, the black yes. uh, track pants now, or Under Armour pants. He's got like the sleeves rolled up, little towel hanging out. Like you can be more eclectic and wear whatever the hell you want at practice when you're that good. Yeah, Delvin <laughs> Cook and Stephon Diggs have been going short shorts recently. Oh yeah, and oh, it I like is that. Yeah. Jeff Hornacek oh, would like be pumped. How many? How many? Without n- naming names, how how many jerks do, do you think that there are among the core group? Why can't he name I haven't names? seen name many. So, I haven't seen many, and that's important. I don't. I don't mind if someone is a jerk to me because I think well, no, I agree. With that. I, I get you. Yes. but I mean is. But like not liked by teammates. I, the way that a NHL scout that I know would describe the players is jackasses. Yeah, and they don't have jackasses. I just I don't even know who I would say. That's funny. I mean, the Mc- twins do. Mackenzie Alexander would have been the guy I said, but then he's completely changed his tune because now they're going to make him a starter, and they also probably pressured him into having a better attitude. Yeah. That you can't come in here and be that's a diva draft that's pick. That's the important Because there, here's Xavier Rhodes telling you to shut up. Exactly. And here's Terrence Newman, who's yeah. 40 years old in the league. And it just, you aren't allowed to have that type of ego on yeah. this team. And there, some of the players that kind of did, or that talked a little too much for their liking, just aren't here anymore. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's going to be a really hard thing to set up for 53 guys to not have bad apples. It's one thing for a basketball team to have 12 guys on the roster and not, I mean, that's, but when you start to look at 25 man baseball rosters and 53 man football yep. rosters to get rid of bad apples, that's, but you, be pretty tough. But you can do it. And, and I don't mean that Cordero Patterson was a bad apple, but he was a jackass. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy who wears his own face on his socks and sort of has that diva attitude and, and things like that. Judd's got his own face on his socks right but, now. But even when they did, My short socks. Even when they did have some of those guys, I mean, your, your franchise all comes down to Harrison Smith and Diggs and Thielen and, and your and superstar Rhodes and guys, players. Right. That's, and the, Rhodes. that's the important thing. And, they and don't they, allow that. They all set the standard. So when you come in here as a top draft pick, Mike Hughes, and you see the way everybody acts, yep. you can't go in opposite direction or you just won't do well here. And that's pretty clear. They don't really need you. Yeah. That they're so good at all these positions. If Mike Hughes was a jerk, they'd be like, Okay, well, just like McKenzie, you're not playing. We'll play somebody else then, and they all know that. So there's a lot of peer pressure in a good way in the organization, and that starts with paying people and keeping those players around. So go check out Collar's stuff. He writes about the Vikings, 1500ESPN.com, and the Purple Podcast, and uh, we'll catch you. I guess we'll probably check in with you tomorrow sometime. Yep, headed out there right now. Sounds good. All right, let's come back. We have a pecking order when we come back, an ode to Lance Lynn. And Jason Stark will join the show in about an hour and a half. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN.